I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, the horrific mass shooting at an Airbnb house party in Arinda. Reporter Evan Cernofsky is here to bring us up to speed on what we know about the shooting that killed five people. He'll talk about how Airbnb is responding to a series of shootings at its listings and about how a lack of information from police is hindering dialogue about the violence. Let's get right into it. Evan Cernofsky, this is one of the worst shootings in recent Bay Area memory. Five people killed. What do we know so far about why this happened? That's right. This is one of the most terrible shootings in in the Bay Area in California. And it just so happens to be in one of these really quaint communities in the East Bay where for the residents there, it's it's been especially shocking. And so far, what we know is that five people, five young people are dead. There's been no arrests made. The authorities who are investigating this, which is the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Office, the Orinda Police Department, the San Francisco Police Department, and the FBI have all been especially tight-lipped about what they know. No one knows exactly what happened around 10.50 p.m. at 114 Lucille Way. So far, Evan, we have five people that were killed in this shooting. One, as of this recording, is in a coma. The victims were Tyon Farley, Omar Taylor, Raymond Hill, Javelin County, and Oceana Tompkins. All in their 20s, except for Miss Tompkins, who was 19. Uh, what? Uh, let's start at the beginning. What was the party? It was Halloween night. Um, how did people all come together at this at this spot in Arinda? That's right. So somebody had booked the home on Airbnb, and they promoted it as an Airbnb mansion party. There was a flyer on Instagram that promised to have DJs and music there. And we know from some of the reports from the police department and from seeing some of the videos inside that this was a a very, very big party. There was an estimated 100 people packed into this house from as early as 9 p.m. when neighbors started to uh, notice that there was uh, quite a ruckus up the street and began calling police around then. So I think we were the only ones, correct, to talk to the owner of this home. Now, he he said that it was not booked for a party, correct? There's been some disagreement over his role in it. But he said he didn't know what was going to happen. Right. So owner Michael Wang said that a woman had contacted him through the platform and she had said she was renting it for a family reunion of 12 people. He also said that the terms on his um, listing were that there was no parties. It turns out we've learned that there had been a history of troubled parties there and he had since changed those terms um, in order to comply with the city ordinance that actually didn't allow parties at Airbnb houses in Orinda. Okay, so it's a little after nine. People are starting to call the police. Wang himself calls the police because he sees. Right. He's got a he's got a ring camera there, a, a home security system, the wireless system that he can look on. And he and he looks and he sees that, okay, there's well over a dozen people inside this house. The neighbors have complained before. The city has tried to cite me b- before for this. So he himself called the police in order to get them over there. Um, we later learned that police in Arinda were uh, responding to a home invasion robbery in Lafayette. They didn't start heading over to the house till around 10.45, 10.50. Before they even got there, though, gunfire had already started. 
Okay, so about that gunfire, you said the police have been very tight-lipped, but what do we know, if anything, about about motive, about where the people were when this happened, about how it started? We don't really know a lot of the details. What what authorities have said is that when they arrived at the scene, three victims were already unresponsive, pronounced dead. Two more people were rushed to hospitals where they succumbed to their injuries. After uh, going through the scene, uh, investigators found two guns there and numerous shell casings. So what they've been doing over the past few days is going through this mountain of physical evidence, trying to piece together what they believe happens. I'm happened. I'm sure they're looking at some of the security video, looking at license plate reader, readers, and trying to track down these hundred people who were at the party and get some eyewitness accounts of what exactly happened inside that house. Okay. So we don't know for sure, but there's so many people there and, and such a chaotic scene. I think both of us have seen a, f- a few videos that show Obviously, the panic and the chaos, the sheer number of victims, it appears that many people were caught up in in the, the gunfire, possibly the crossfire. Right. So we know there's two guns. We don't know if maybe this was an exchange of gunfire between two groups. We don't know if it was kind of a an active shooter who went in there. Uh, some of the people we know were like the DJ, for example, Omar Taylor was killed. He, according to his family, was just there. Some of the other victims' families have said, you know, they were just there in the wrong place at the wrong time. They were attending this party, and then all of a sudden, bullets just started to fly. And and as we talked about, one of these videos on Instagram, you can just hear, bam, 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 multiple, multiple shots. So we can tell it was just a, a horrific and chaotic scene in there. Now, you've been talking to some of your sources in law enforcement around the Bay Area, Are you learning anything about possible motives? Right. So there's a lot of theories going around. I mean, it's still um, a week later in the early stages of the investigation. But one thing we do know is that one of the victims, um, Tyon Farley, was half brothers with a, a man named Lee Farley Jr., who is in jail right now awaiting trial for a quadruple homicide in January 2015 in San Francisco's Hayes Valley. And there's another um, another person in that party who is part of the same gang as Lee Farley Jr., the Page Street mob. So an obvious investigative lead here for the SFPD and for the Renda Police and Contra Costa Sheriffs is to say, is this somehow linked to that other incident involving members of the same gang? We don't know. My sources have told me that SFPD is assisting, and they are exploring that avenue. All right, Evan, let's take a break. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm talking to Evan Cernofsky about the shooting at an Airbnb in Orinda. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm here with Evan Cernofsky. Since the shooting, there's been a lot of talk about house parties that are in Airbnbs and in other short-term rentals, right? And... It turns out this isn't the first. Um, police have been talking about this being a thing over the last couple of years, and um, you and your colleagues started looking into how many times this has happened. Right. This incident really exposed an issue that's not unique to Orinda or to the Bay Area. Um, since this happened, we started looking at numerous other cases. And it's not just us. A lot of people, uh, especially in Orinda, have been reaching out and saying, look, something has to be done here. Um, in the last six months alone, we, alone, we found many troubling shootings, reports, um, 
from our own reporting and from uh, research and tips we've got from other people showing uh, at least 20, 23 shootings in 12 states, um, 42 victims in all these different incidents. And one incident by itself maybe doesn't draw that much attention as being sort of a, a more widespread problem. But when you start looking at these incidents together, it starts to paint a, a, a picture of a, of a more troubling issue with these Airbnb parties. And what is that issue? I mean, it sort of seems to make sense, right, that that if you're going to have a party at someone else's house with no security um, and put it on social media and spread it that way. Um, but what are police saying about um, why these things might be so dangerous? Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you're going to have a party at your house, you're probably going to invite people that you know. You're probably going to um, have a lot of scrutiny about the folks who are showing up. You're going to care about your property. But if you want to throw a real blowout rager and maybe charge a cover and promote it on social media and get as many people there as you can, all of a sudden the standard of the people that are coming starts to change. And um, sometimes groups that m might um, be at, at odds with each other are going to find themselves in the same place. Or maybe even know in advance that they're going to be there Sure, if by you, looking at Instagram. Sure, if you are looking um, to get some kind of retribution for um, some other wrongdoing that someone's done to you and you can't track someone down, but all of a sudden you see this promotion uh, on social media for a party and you know so-and-so is going to be there, um, you know when and where and what time they're going to be there. Evan, what has been the response from Airbnb now that they're under so much scrutiny for the shooting? Right. This has brought a, a, a large amount of scrutiny on Airbnb. And two days after the shooting, the CEO, Brian Chesky, uh, wrote on Twitter that he was uh, the company was banning party houses. For, and um, and in, in doing that, they said they're going to redouble efforts to combat unauthorized parties. Now, we don't know exactly how that's going to work for the company. Uh, they have, you know, hundreds of thousands of listings all over the country. And uh, if people start showing up at parties, we don't we don't know practically how that's going to work. But at least policy wise, Airbnb is no longer going to allow these kind of parties. Uh, they said they're going to also begin uh, expanding screening on high risk reservations. And that's that's sort of like nationally for Airbnb. But Arinda at the same time has been taking its own action um, to try to combat some of the issues because so many residents have been so frustrated by uh, the problems. They already don't allow parties in Arinda. People, gatherings of 13 people or more uh, are not allowed. So this was an unauthorized party to begin with. Um, what the city council said it's going to do, what it's going to vote on soon, is an emergency ban on all unhosted short-term rentals. So if the owner isn't there and uh, they're renting their house as an Airbnb, um, for a short period of time, that's not going to be allowed at all in Orinda if that passes. All right. And we should note that when we were looking into some of these other cases that involved Airbnb parties, shootings that occurred, we tried to talk to Airbnb 
they would not they declined to speak in detail about both the shootings and their response in each case you know what they've done in the past to try to to keep these things from happening they have been referring us um it's worth noting it's referring us to these policy changes they've been making evan before we before we go you know we have sadly the two of us covered a lot of mass shootings um and you know there's a lot of big stories that come out of them but in this case um, we really haven't had, for example, a, a, a real discussion about gun control. And I wonder, is that is that because we don't know anything about the guns yet? Right. I mean, this has been an unusual case in a lot of ways. And a lot of times, like, say, the mass shooting uh, we had in Gilroy recently, immediately authorities are coming out with information. They're saying things about the shooter. They're saying... Uh, if the shooter uh, is dead, they let us know. If they're not, they they let us know who they're looking for. This case is unusual because we don't really know who the shooter was. We don't have a suspect vehicle. We don't know anything about the weapons or the firearms that were used. A lot of times in these mass shooting cases, um, issues about assault weapons get brought up. Or if they're handguns, we start talking about um, the nuances between uh, different weapons. Yeah, we want to know whether something could have been done in the past, a regulation, a law that could have stopped that gun from getting in the wrong hands. Right. Was this, were these illegal firearms that came from outside of California? Um, was Were they not? Is there nothing maybe that could have been done? It's very challenging to begin answering any of these larger questions that ultimately always come up when there's a mass shooting and we just don't have that information and we can't start following uh, those logical uh, conclusions until we know more. All right. Well, as Metro Editor, I'll tell you that we will be staying with this. I will be uh, keeping you and others on the story and (laughs) probably for the next several weeks. Evan, thank you so much for, for coming back again. Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today, reporter Evan Cernofsky. To King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. For all the continuing coverage on the Orinda shooting, go to sfchronicle.com. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.